How many people have ever planned a fishing trip? Yeah, there you go. All right, yeah. Few of us, right? Or maybe any other trip for that matter where you, you had certain things that needed to happen in order for you to say that it was successful. Uh, we have often planned fishing trips. Some, some of us here in this church, a, a bunch of us have actually gone down to New York City. This is the Salmon River in Pulaski, New York City, and it took a lot of planning. Uh, I, I had to, we had to map out where we were going to go. We had to actually reserve a spot on the river for this certain spot and actually pay money to fish a certain section. You had to tie your flies. You had to get all your gear ready. And then you had to drive down. I think it was like five and a half, six hours all the way down to New York City. You never know what the weather's going to be like. And it's very crowded like this. It's kind of what they call combat fishing. A lot of people around. And you put all this time and effort into it, but you, you're not certain whether or not you're going to catch a fish. As a matter of fact, there's folks in this church today, we've gone down a few times and they just come up empty. You, you, might, you might catch one at the very end, maybe right when you're ready to leave, after having not caught one the entire time, or you might catch one at the very beginning and then not catch anything for the rest of the, the two-day trip. Or you might watch your friend as he painfully breaks off fish after fish after fish. Jesus has sent the church on a, on a fishing trip. It's a difficult one. And there are some essentials that we need to look at. There are things that we should do and shouldn't do. But, but there, is, there is one key, one key that I see that comes out in this passage here today, and that is cooperation. If we want to have a successful mission, if we want to be successful at what the Lord has called us to do, cooperation is the key. First and foremost, it is cooperation with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Then it is cooperation with each other, which can be difficult at times. And then it is cooperation with what he gives us in order to make that trip or this mission successful. As you and I move forward into the book of Acts, we see it is God working in and through us, working in and through the church so that you and I can accomplish the task that he has given us to do. It is mandated for each and every one of us. So each and every one of us are fishermen, whether we want to be or not, whether we like it or not. And I see four areas that this kind of comes out in this passage today, four areas in which we see this type of cooperation. The first area is our cooperation with him. We must be utterly dependent upon Jesus Christ for our mission to be successful. Verses 1 through 3. After these things, Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And he manifested himself in this way. Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael of Canaan, Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and the two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, 
I'm going fishing. They said to him, we'll also come with you. They went out and got into the boat, and they caught nothing. Notice where John starts out this passage, and he's trying to tell us something. Two times it's mentioned, and it, it bookends this passage. He manifested himself, he manifested himself. And he says in this part, he manifested himself in this way. And why does he say in this way? He's letting us know that there is a per- specific purpose to what Jesus is doing here. And Jesus sometimes uses our lives to teach us lessons about his kingdom, doesn't he? And that, that is exactly what he's doing here. So he's, he specifically manifests himself on their fishing trip. And, and what we see here is really brings into our first point, one of the main thrusts that we see throughout this entire passage is you and I going fishing and Jesus not going ahead of us or not being with us in the boat is utterly what? Futile. It is absolutely pointless. But also notice that he describes this ragtag bunch of individuals. And he's describing to us the church. Now, it doesn't mean that each individual represents personalities in the church, even though that is true to a certain extent. But here they are, these group of misfits. And Peter comes up as the leader, and he's just like, oh, you know, they're waiting on you. I'm going fishing, guys. And they're like, okay, we're going to come with you. Let's go, Peter. And they start following Peter along. And you have this group of individuals that is now the church. This is the church, and this is the church on mission. And who are, who are they filled with? Who, who's the church filled with? Filled with doubters like Thomas? Filled with deniers like Peter? Filled with a bunch of sinners? And a variety of people who, who sometimes don't have no clue what they're doing. I mean, like, we, we do missions, right? We try to do things. We're like, hey, I got a great idea. Hey, Pastor Mark, that sounds great. Let's go ahead and do that. We just follow each other along. I think it's just a, a beautiful picture of the church. People who had ordinary occupations, and now they have been sent on mission. Now, commentators go back and forth as to whether or not they're being disobedient here. And I don't think that's the case. I, I think that they're just waiting for Jesus in Galilee. He told them to wait. He didn't say, don't go fishing. They might be hungry. They might be bored. But it is showing us something. And there is a lack of unity and a lack of direction on their part. So we see kind of a combination of the two. But here Peter takes the helm. He says, we're going fishing. And what's the end result? What's the end result of all of their efforts all night long? And this is, this is painful if you're a fisherman. Big, fat zero. Trusting in the flesh. Trusting in the flesh. Jesus is going to show them exactly what he has been teaching them. Apart from me, you can accomplish what? Absolutely nothing. Trusting in the flesh, no matter what we do in life, no matter what we do in life, relying on ourselves 
and doing things apart from abiding in Jesus Christ is absolutely futile. Do you believe that? In the spring of 1867, George Custer and his regiment were on a scouting expedition in the plains of Kansas. Suddenly, Custer's greyhounds got excited and began to chase some antelope over a distant hill. In spite of himself, he could not resist joining the chase. It was not long before the general, his horse, and his pack of dogs had left the regiment far behind. He forgot his mission and his men, and he started to chase buffalo after he saw one, an enormous shaggy one. He put the spurs to his horse and began the chase. As the horse gained on the massive buffalo, Custer yelled out with excitement, Woo! An avid hunter, he had planned to bring this trophy home. He drew his pearl-handed pistol, but as he came alongside the thundering beast, he stopped for a second, and he was all caught up in the moment. And he decided, I'm not going to shoot him right now. I'm going to enjoy the thrill of the fight. So he waits, and after several minutes, he decided it was time, okay, for the kill. He shoved his pistol into the side of the buffalo, and the buffalo sensed it. And the buffalo turned to his horse, making the horse veer and startling Custer so much that he did let loose around, but not in the buffalo, in his horse, and killed him instantly. The horse and Custer fell to the ground, and there he is staring at this buffalo who looks at him as if he's some foolish man and walks away. We know what happens to Custer later on, don't we? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what abilities that you and I have in life. Ego, pride, arrogance, self-reliance is going to get us and others in trouble when we don't depend on Jesus Christ. If you and I are relying on ourselves, if you and I are trusting in our own abilities, if you and I are not depending on Jesus Christ to lead and guide and give us success, you and I are going to fail. I cannot say it enough. Before we go fishing, before we go on mission, we need to do a reality check and make sure that we're not trusting in our own abilities, our own wonderful plans, our own marketing strategies, our own budgets, our own facilities, or whatever it may be. We need to make sure that we are utterly dependent on Him. It is absolutely crucial to our mission. And we're in a culture right now that thinks we're enough, aren't we? We have to continually combat that. Depending on Him is depending on Him for guidance. It is depending on Him for our power and our strength. And it is depending on Him for success. No matter what you're doing in life, it is impossible to accomplish anything apart from Him. Now, we may get stuff done. But it is not stuff that is going to last for eternity. He allows them to go out. He allows them to get in the boat. And he's kind of watching from the shore, isn't he, the whole time. He's watching them work. And they're toiling and laboring. 
And they come back with an empty net. Second area of cooperation is we must obey his commands, verses 4 through 6. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, children, you don't have any fish, do you? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you will find the catch. So they cast, and they were not able to haul it because of the great number of fish. Notice what Jesus does first. He, he asks a question, doesn't he? And if you're, if you're fishing, this isn't, the, this isn't a great question that you have to answer. Hey, guys. Hey. You get, you're out there all night. You catch any fish? And they're like, who is this guy? Who is this guy standing on the beach? And is he rubbing it in? Hey, you got any fish? Just wondering. You've been fishing all night? And they're like, no. He makes them realize something, doesn't he? And, and, and sometimes we have to... We have to ask ourselves the question. Now, I want to be careful because I don't want to say that converts are a direct sign that we are depending on God. And that if we're not seeing any converts or fish, then that means we're not depending on God. However, if we're out and we're toiling year after year after year, and we're not seeing any fruit whatsoever, we might want to ask ourselves that question, right? Something's not right. And Jesus makes them realize, hey, we're failing at something that we're used to be pretty good at, right? And he, here he is, and, and that's, that's part of what he's trying to teach them. It doesn't matter that they were professional fishermen, and they're probably wondering, who is this guy telling us to cast this net to the other side of the boat? We, we mean, casting all over the place. But he's letting us realize something. He's asking them that question. Why are, why are we not catching anything? And we have to ask ourselves that question. Are we not bearing any fruit whatsoever in our lives, personally, in our ministry, or in the church? And if we're year after year trying to bring people to Christ and we're, we're failing, we might want to want, we might ask ourselves what's going on. But it might not just be that. It may be what is happening here. We may not be really being obedient to what he's telling us to do. Notice that they're not going to catch any fish if they don't do what? Cast the net again. It's obedience. It's obedience to the, the, it's not a request. He's not making a suggestion to them. It's actually a command. He's saying, cast the net to the other side. That's where you're going to find the fish. But we have to do what? We have to cast the net, don't we? And I wonder, are we not catching any fish because we're not, we're not casting the net? We're not casting the net as a church, and we're not casting the net as individuals. And is it because we're just indifferent to what he's asked us to do? I'm not sure. 
But we, we should be seeing people come to faith eventually. If we're being dependent on Him and we're being obedient to Him, He's going to provide for us. I can only imagine what their reaction was to Him as they don't know anything about, as they know so much about fishing. But this is all pointless if they don't follow His command. He can't guide us and lead us if we're not in the boat to begin with, can He? He can't fill the net if the net's not in the water. And when we do that, He's going to fill that net for us. I think we get into habits in the church. And we come here and we listen to sermons, we sing songs, and we forget that all of, all of this has extended purposes that reach out into the community. We come here to be refreshed. We come here to praise Him. We come here to think about Him. We come here to encourage others. And then we are to take all of this and bring that out there. God can do a mighty work through us if we are obedient to His command. And He'll guide us. He places us in a specific location. And in, in, instead of, I think, what you're seeing happening now, this is why so many things are written on the Great Commission, and they're actually saying it's the Great Omission. Because we forgot our purpose. We forgot what He's called us to do. And we're more about ourselves than we are about those who are lost. And I, I think when it comes to guidance and the side in which we cast the net, it's exactly where he's placed us. Where has he placed this church? Right here in Gorham, hasn't he? I mean, think about what he says in Acts, in Acts 17. He made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined the allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place so that they may seek Him. This is where we cast the net. We, we begin right here in Gorham, and then we extend it as far as we can to the remotest parts of the earth. You cast your own personal net in where you are living in your area. You cast your net in your job, in your relationships at school, your relationships at work, in your families. You have to cast the net. He specifically has placed us in this position for this purpose. But we have to obey. And then what happens when they obey? Who gives the fish? Jesus gives the fish. Jesus knows where the fish are. You and I follow his commands. We depend on him. He gives us the strength to be able to do it. And he fills our net with fish. 
It doesn't matter our budget. It doesn't matter our programs. It doesn't matter our ability. It doesn't matter whether you and I are evangelists or not. If we obey, that's what matters, isn't it? Nobody is going to come to faith in Jesus Christ if we don't preach the gospel. It's not going to happen. And we see that he is faithful to fill the nets of those who listen to his voice, those who are obedient. And in specifics, he's going to guide us as well. But his main point here is reliance upon him, obedience to what he's told us to do. And he's going to make sure that we bring in the fish. John Stott had to preach at the university in Sydney one time. It was an evangelistic campaign. And they were gathering for this. There was a huge group of students And he lost his voice. He asked them to pray for him, that God would take this thorn in the flesh away from him, but if not, that God would use him in his weakness. Turns out, he didn't regain his voice. But he was faithful to try and preach. He said he had to get within one inch of the microphone just to croak out the gospel. I was unable to use any inflection in my voice to express my personality. He said it was just a croak and it was in a monotone. Can you imagine? No power, no passion. I can't imagine being a preacher without a voice or having lost my voice. And he says this, Honestly, I can say that that night, had a far greater response than any night that I had already been there. He said, time after time, I've been back to Australia, and everyone keeps coming up to me. Do you remember the night that you lost your voice? Well, I was converted that night. Depend on him. Cast the net. Let him bring in the fish. Third area cooperation, one of the harder areas, cooperation with who? Each other. (laughs) That ragtag group of misfits needs to learn to work together. Verses 7 through 8. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. So when Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he put He put his outer garments on, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. But the other disciples came in in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 100 yards away, and they were dragging the net full of fish. Thank you, Peter. I'm sure people have seen Seinfeld, popular comedy. One of my favorite episodes is the fire episode. Have you ever seen the fire episode? He's at George Costanza's at a birthday party. He was invited by his girlfriend to celebrate a a birthday for her son. He's at the birthday party and he's talking uh, to to the, the girlfriend's mom in the kitchen. And she's like, you must be George. You're such a 
you're such a lovely man, lovely young man. And he goes, well, I do what I can. I do what I can, right? And all of a sudden, someone's cooking hamburgers. So the, the two women leave the kitchen and George is alone in the kitchen. He starts smelling something. He goes, I think I smell smoke. He turns around and there's a fire. And all of a sudden, George just bolts out of the house. Fire! Fire! And in the process of running out of the house, he pushes over a clown. He pushes over an old lady in the walker. He pushes over some kids and he pushes and he says to his girlfriend, get out of my way. Runs out of the house. And there, the next scene cuts into the next scene. He's sitting with the paramedics. He goes, it was an inferno in there, as they give him oxygen. The crowd runs over to him. There he is. Several angry children and Robin's mother gather around. That's the coward that left us to die. And George says, I was trying to lead. I was trying to lead. If I were to die, who would have led these people out? And then she goes, well, you told me to get out of your way. So I'm not sure if that was the, that was the case. Every man for himself, right? Peter, see ya. You guys take care of the work. I'm out of here. I'm going to go have my own personal time with Jesus while you finish what is left. Peter's the one who brought him out there to begin with, right? So now they've, well, I'm going fishing. He takes them fishing. We're coming along. They're fishing all night long. They finally catch something, and now Peter bails. And he jumps off the boat and swims to shore. And I think John puts that in there for a reason. They were left doing what? Hauling this, this net of fish while Peter's swimming just so he can have some quiet time with Jesus. We're going to see this throughout the book of Acts. Unity. Unity. One mind, one purpose, doing it together. Doing it together. That is how we are going to be successful. The church is not about us. And we have got to get that out of our heads. We are living in a culture that is catering to me. And the church is doing it. That is not what we're about. Now, please don't get me wrong. You want a church that is going to feed you. You want it personally. You want a church... To, to where you're, you're going to feel a part of it, that you're going to feel welcome. You want a church where you're going to make friends. You want a church that you're, you're a part of a community. But you are a part of a body of believers. You are an integral part of this body of believers. And if you're jumping off the boat while everyone's doing the work so you can go have some personal experience with Jesus Christ, that's not it. There's a time and a place for that. And yes, this, does this speak to Peter's love for Jesus? Absolutely. And it speaks to the fact that each and every single one of us needs to have an individual love and relationship, love for Jesus Christ and a relationship with him. Hands down, undoubtedly, but don't leave everyone else to do the work. 
we do it together. And, it, and it's a shame that the statistics in the church, and, and this church is, is better than most, but the statistics are that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. That shouldn't be. This is all together. We're all called, we all should help, and we all are going to benefit from what happens. Jesus came to what? To serve, didn't he? Jesus came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for all of us. He didn't come to be served. And you and I have to follow in that fashion. Part of our being in the church is service. And it's a service, as we're going to see next week, out of love for him. So Peter's reaction should have been, I'm going to help my buddies get the fish in, and then I'm going to go see Jesus. But instead, he dives in, and he just leaves everyone else behind. It's kind of humorous. And yes, he eventually helps. He eventually helps them bring in all the fish. But the, the, the work of the church is not just for Pastor Kevin and I. It's not just for the elders. It's not just for the, the deacons or deaconesses. The work is for all of us, isn't it? Many hands make light work. It's true. We, we have to work together. We have to be unified. And, and if, if people are trying to bring in fish, but you're over there, I don't know, taking pictures of the sun or doing whatever, and, and, and you're not helping out, the work is going to suffer. We all have to pitch together. And in times of our life, that looks different. At different ages, right? We're not, we're not, some of us aren't as young as we used to be. We don't have as energy. Okay, so how does that look now? But it, the work never stops. The work never stops. And what you see between this part and, and what we see right after this is there's a balance between that work and rest. And this, the church is in this constant cycle of going back and forth throughout this. called to be a part of a body. And if one part decides not to do its part, the whole body suffers. Stay in the boat, finish the work, contribute, and then we can go and rest and fellowship with him. The, the fourth area, this cooperation, is with the provisions that he gives. And, and we see this throughout, but specifically here. And he's going to provide all that we need He's going to give us what we need, and we need to take what He gives us so that we can accomplish the task at hand. Verses 9 through 14. So when they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire already laid and the fish placed on, on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land full of large fish, a hundred and 53, and all were together. There were so, all together, there were so many that the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples ventured to question him, Who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus, Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and the fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus was manifested to, to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. <clears throat> 
Throughout this, we see his provision in a lot of different ways here at the end in a variety as well. First of all, Jesus provides the fish. We know that already. It's absolutely impossible for our nets to be full unless Jesus fills our nets. Jesus is the one who is going to make sure that we are successful. Success, success is our faithfulness and Jesus being faithful to fill those nets. It is up to him to give us those fish. Notice that he has something already, doesn't he? What does Jesus already have? Fish. <laughs> he, he's already cooking breakfast for them. And Jesus has to go ahead of us and prepare the way for us to be successful on mission. But Jesus already has the fish. And we see, he, he asks him, and he says, bring some of your fish to me. And we contribute to him, and he multiplies that contribution so that there is enough for everyone. But, but notice that John points out something about the net, doesn't he? Because there are multiple ways in which he provides for us throughout our mission. And one of them is the resources and the strength. And you see that in the net. What is he saying about the net? He says it doesn't break. And commentators, we don't want to over-spiritualize stuff like this. So commentators are going to say, well, it's because the fish represent that Jesus loses no one and, and we're all going to make it to heaven. And that's, that's true. I don't think that's what is happening here. I think John's being much more practical about this. You need a strong net to haul in all of those fish, right? And so two areas I think that we, we need to look at that I think apply to us in our lives is that number one, he's going to give us the strength to be able to do the work that he's called us to do, right? So we don't need to worry about that. And we need to take the strength that he gives us and then use it out on the mission field. Use it in whatever area that he directs us to proclaim his gospel and to expand his kingdom. He's going to give you what you need. You, you have to obey. You have to utilize what he's given you for his kingdom, and it will be enough. He's going to give us the nets. He's going to give us the resources that we need. And this is one thing we started doing at this church. We looked around and we said, okay, what has he given us that we're not using? What do we have? What do you have right now that can be used to expand his kingdom? We looked at our field, didn't we? And we said, okay, this is something he's given us. It's a resource. How can I use this? to expand his kingdom. So we build a playground and we're going to be building other stuff. Why? Because we want our community to come. We want the fish to come here. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. Sorry, bad expression, but... And then we go and we... Not, yeah, talking to fish in a barrel. I don't know, pick, <laughs> plucking fish. Or it's like fishing at L.L. Bean, right? You just... You cast that rod right in. I've always been tempted to do that and just run out of the store with a brook trout in my hand. But it's easier, okay? So we, if they come here, then we're not going, we don't have to go as far. We just go out in the parking lot and talk to them. It's a resource. It's a resource. 
So we need to look around. What has he given us that we're not using? Because it's, he, he promises to give us and provide, yes, the strength, but the actual net, the, the things that we can use to catch the fish. He'll give us the budget. He'll give us the money. Now, how does he give us the money? Well, it's through you. So maybe you can give money to the church to expand the gospel. That's part of it. Maybe you have a house that you can open up for people. Maybe you have a talent that you can use. Whatever it is, we have to use what he's already given us. That's what's going to make the difference. But it's, it's not just the, the resources. He gives us the sustenance, the rest, and the fellowship. What does he do? He cooks them breakfast, doesn't he? So they bring him some of the fish. Peter finally drags up that net. Jesus redirects Peter to go, yeah, why don't you go help them? <laughs> Pull that net up and bring me, bring me what you got. That reminds us of the loaves and the fishes, doesn't it? So we give him what we have, and he's going to multiply that for our benefit. And he's going to use that to refresh us, to help us, to encourage us. And, and here's the thing that you see throughout the, the gospel, I mean, throughout the book of Acts. They are doing this cyclically all the time. They're fellowshipping, they're eating and taking meals together, they are refreshing one another, and they're going back out on the mission field going back out and fishing. Think of your favorite food. And we can talk about food right now because we're getting close to lunchtime, right? Think of your favorite food. Maybe it's steak. Maybe it's beef stew. Maybe you're weird like that. <laughs> Maybe it's Thai green curry. Maybe it's ice cream and apple pie. That's, that's one of my favorites, ice cream and apple pie. Now, did God have to make all that variety of food? No. He could have given us savory biscuits. Ah, here's a savory biscuit. He could have fed us with manna, right? He could have just got manna every day. You know, you got manna pancakes. You got, you know, manna, fried manna, you know, dipped in chocolate manna. Oh, well, no, there'd be no chocolate, I guess, would there? But he, he gives us this super abundance of food, and here he cooks this meal, and he, he cooks this meal and he invites them to come and eat food with him. That's enjoyment, right? He, we're not all work all the time. This is where the balance comes. Some people are like gung-ho all the time, you know, never taking breaks, never resting or fellowshipping. That's not what he wants either. He brings us in for that time of rest. And he says, hey, come and eat breakfast with me. Come and fellowship with me and who else? Each other. Enjoy it. And it's practical, isn't it? We need this time. We need to be the church out there, and we need to be the church right here. Because that's going to encourage us. It's going to sustain us. We're going to meet with Jesus. We're going to encourage one another, remind each other of what we're here to do, Tell war stories. Hey, yeah, remember that guy I witnessed to the other? Yeah, it was awesome. Great. Sharing testimonies. That's what it's about. It's both. It's both. And it's practical. 
Remember when, when Elijah got all stressed out about Jezebel, right? He's, he's, he's like getting, getting chased by her. He runs away. What is the first thing the Lord does for him? He says, eat and take a nap. <laughs> eat and take a nap. You're a little tired. You're a little stressed out. You're not thinking right. Because he's like, I'm the only one left. I'm done. We're done for. He's like, just take some food and have a nap. And then we're going to talk afterwards. And then he gives him fellowship. He reminds him. It's exactly what's happening here. All we have, we offer to him, multiplies it for us, takes what we give him, sustains us through it, and we enjoy a meal and fellowship with Jesus and with each other. Fishing's hard. Fishing's hard work. May not always know where to cast. May not always come back with a net full. The waters may get rough and stormy. But cooperation with Him, cooperation with each other, is what makes a successful mission. Faithfulness to Him, faithfulness to each other. We'll have a successful fishing trip. So I'm going to go fishing. You guys coming? Father, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for these stories that are sometimes humorous, but illustrate our nature to a T. Lord, we know that you have called us to a work Help us to realize that that work is utterly impossible apart from the intervention of Jesus Christ, apart from your intervention, your spirit working through us as we cooperate with you. Thank you for the privilege of this work. Thank you that we can work together. And Lord, bless the fruit of our labors. May we give what we have to you, and may you multiply that for your kingdom and your glory. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.